This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. Dimension X was an NBC radio program broadcast mostly on an unsponsored sustaining basis from April of 1950 to September of 51. The first 13 episodes were broadcast live and the remainder were pre-recorded. For almost two months, the series was sponsored by Wheaties. Dimension X was not the first adult science fiction series on radio, but the acquisition of previously published stories immediately gave it a strong standing within the science fiction community. It wasn't until 1950, really, that science fiction radio really hit its stride, even as science fiction was beginning to appear on television as well. Radio programs such as Mutual's 2000 Plus and NBC's Dimension X were anthology series that offered a variety of exciting tales of future technology with a special focus on space exploration, including alien invasion. The script for tonight's show was written by Donald Wolheim, a founding member of the Futurians. He was a leading influence in science fiction development and fandom in the 20th century, the Encyclopedia uh, of Science Fiction, the first edition of 1979, calls Wilhelm one of the first and most vociferous science fiction fans. Here's his story of the Martian Embassy. Adventures in time and space told in future tense. Dimension Out of the infinitude of stars and planets in the solar system and other systems in the universe, it is almost mathematically certain that there exist other forms of life on other worlds. Someday in the future, in a thousand years, or in the next ten minutes, daring travelers through space will make contact with the inhabitants of another world. But the question is, will we contact them first or will they contact us? Come in. This is Broderick's private detective agency. Check. My name is Graphius. Graphius of Springfield. I would like to see Mr. Broderick. Check. What is it, Tolan? There's a guy outside. A kind of a guy? Oh, a great big guy with a big shining head and thick glasses like the bottoms of Coca-Cola bottles. A- and he looks like a professor or what something. What I mean is, does he look like a client or a bill collector? He didn't say. Okay, Iron Man. Send him in. Check. Mr. Graphius, Mr. Broderick will see you. Thank you. Mr. Broderick. In the flesh. Okay, Iron Man. Step outside. Check. 
If you need me, I'll be outside. I'll have to excuse Mr. Dolan. He's a very useful man if you happen to want a house moved or somebody's head unscrewed from their shoulders. His reflexes aren't too good. He's what you might call underorganized. I suspected as much. All right, Mr. Graffius. Let's get down to business. Precisely. I would like your assistance in having me locate something here in New York City. Just what are you trying to locate, Mr. Graffius? The Martian Embassy. Would you say that again very slowly? I came to New York to locate the Martian Embassy. Martian? Like in Buck Rogers? Precisely. Agents of the government of the planet of Mars. Dolan! What's the trouble, boss? Come out, he's a crackpot. Of course, if you wish me to leave, I will leave. But before I go, you might examine this. You'll find it quite authentic. Holy mackerel. A five-century note. Let me see that. Uh, sit down, Mr. Graffius. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. Dolan, get Mr. Graffius a light. Check. Okay, Mr. Graffius. Your remarks about our speckled friends, the Martians, I shall ignore. This being the year 1955, I assume you were joking. On the contrary, I'm completely serious. As it happens, I'm interested only in Martians at the moment. I see. <clears throat> okay, uh, shoot. It occurred to me in the course of my studies that we Earth people cannot possibly be the only intelligent form of life in the universe. Out of the infinitude of stars and planets, there must definitely, mathematically, be others. Since Mars is older geologically, and since it is also an atmospheric planet, its evolutionary history could easily be similar to ours, you follow me? Well, so far, I can't say no. But if this is true, then they must have been watching us, observing us, for hundreds, possibly thousands of years. What for, blackmail? Shut up, Dolan. They know, then, that we are not far from achieving space travel. Atomic rocket ships that can travel to other planets. They also know we're a militaristic, warlike race. We might conceivably set out to conquer and occupy Mars one day. In which case, they'd uh, try to get the jump on it. <laughs> Precisely, Mr. Roger. And how would they do that? For a civilization as old as theirs, space travel would be a simple enough matter. Flying saucers. I read about Relax, it. Relax, Iron Man. Go on, Mr. Graffius. If you were planning to attack an unknown nation... What would be your first move, Mr. Broderick? Intelligence. Find out what the odds are. You have a very logical mind, sir. You would send agents to scout the nerve centers of earthly civilization and advancement. Not in Kansas City or equatorial Africa, my dear sir, but here in New York City. The most technically advanced spot on Earth. Uh-huh. And, uh, you want me to help you prove this theory of yours? Precisely. Expense does not interest me. Well, this may take a very long, long time, Mr. Graffius. After all, nobody's ever seen a Martian. I assure you, they will be very ordinary-appearing people. Very likely, they live together in downtown New York, close to the newspapers and publishers, the news cables, communication centers, and the financial center of Wall Street. Most certainly, they live in a private house with no servants to pry into their affairs. Some ordinary people who live in a private house in downtown New York. I might just as well look up Martians in the classified section of the phone book. <laughs> there is one other lead which might help you. What's that? They would be almost certain to subscribe to every conceivable type of newspaper, scientific journal, foreign language publication. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be something. 
Okay, Mr. Graphius. It's a deal. Excellent. I shall contact you tomorrow. Oh, uh, before you leave. Yes? Just as a matter of interest. Why are you so interested in meeting up with these Martians? Mr. Broderick, I wish to avert the catastrophe of a successful Martian invasion of the Earth. Naturally. I cannot go to the police or the military. I'd be laughed out of existence. So I'm doing this privately. You seem to know all the answers, Mr. Graphius. Not all of them, Mr. Broderick. Not quite all the answers. Not quite yet. private address takes everything from Pick Magazine to the Manchester Guardian. Listen to this. Pick, Look, Scientific America, The Daily News, The Daily Worker, The Police Gazette, The Journal of Engineering, Scientific Quarterly, American Psychiatric Journal. Let me see that. Oh, Dolan. Dolan, sometimes I wonder. What's the address on this? 9 West 124th Street. Which happens to be the Harlem branch of the public library. Oh... Now listen, Noodle Brain. Check all the renting agents. Find out every private house in downtown New York. And then cross-check with the magazine subscription departments of the scientific magazines. You got that? Check. I wonder. Boss, what's the sense of all this? We know there ain't no Martian embassy in New York. This crackpot is paying us $100 a day and we got to keep him happy. You understand? Yeah. Also, I've got a hunch that Mr. Graphius isn't looking for any Martian embassies. He's looking for something quite different. I'll start making with a telephone. Which house is it, Dolan? Right down there. Number 108. You find out anything? Not a thing. I've been watching the place for a week now. Nobody comes out. Nobody goes in. I asked around. Nobody knows nothing. You ain't been blabbing around the neighborhood that we're looking for the Martian embassy, have you? Boss, uh, I'm stupid, but I ain't that stupid. Who'd you talk to? I struck up what you might call a casual acquaintanceship with those two girls standing with the baby carriages up the street. They're a cute one. Real cute. Mm. Now, look, Doolin, don't try to do anything intelligent. Just keep walking up and down. See? Check. I'm going back to the office to meet Graphius. See you later, boss. Flatfoot. How did you know I was a detective? Your socks are bagging at the arches. <laughs> <laughs> well, stick around, beautiful. I'll be back in a few minutes, and we can make some beautiful music together. <laughs> Listen to Romeo, Helen. The name is Dolan, honey. Iron Man Dolan. Your line is getting rusty, Iron Man. What do you want to fool around with him for? He reminds me of my husband. The big, good-natured slob. Helen. Helen, look. Oh, hey, Dolan! Dolan found a house down in Greenwich Village, privately rented. Number 108 Conklin Street. Nobody seems to know anything about who lives there, except that they subscribe to every paper and scientific journal put out. And also they have a peculiar antenna on the roof. 
You don't suppose your Mr. Doolan will try to get inside the house? No, he knows better. Mr. Broderick, I assure you, if that place is the Martian embassy... Doolan can take care of himself. Still, I wish you had informed me before. Well, that's probably him reporting back now. Excuse me. Hello. Yeah, speaking. Doolan? Yeah, he works. What? Oh, no. No, I can't think of any. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, I'll be right down. Okay, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, right away. Something the matter? Doolin is dead, Mr. Graffius. What? They found him splattered all over the sidewalk in front of number 108 Conklin Street. How? How did it happen? There were some witnesses. They said a building cornice dropped on him. The cornice? But how? It fell off the building next to 108, right on top of him. Come on, we can get a cab. I have to identify the body. I'm Broderick. Oh, well, there's your boy, Broderick. Not very pretty. Oh, mother in heaven. That's a thousand-pound hunk of concrete. Where did it come from? Dropped off the roof of 106. Anybody see it? Yes, a couple of maids pushing baby carriages. One was so shaken, we had to send her to the hospital. The other one is hysterical, but she can talk. Can't seem to get any sense out of her, though. Do you mind if I talk to her? Not at all. I'll be back in a minute, Graffius. I'll wait here. She's standing right over there with the patrolman on the beat. Uh, oh, Hanson. Yes, sir? This guy wants a few questions for the girl. Please. Please, I told you what I saw. How many times I got to tell you? Yes, the dead man was a personal friend of mine. Would you tell me what happened, please? <laughs> Helen and I were standing in front of Rathman's candy store up on the corner. We both had the babies up. I worked for Mrs. Gillian on Washington Square North. This... He, he said hello and joked a little. Then he walked down the street just like he'd been doing all week. Hadn't taken more than a few steps. But... What? Please, Miss. Oh, it's I... very important. I tell him, but they don't believe me. What do you tell him? How it happened. Tell me. It's too awful. Please. Well, well first he squashed. And then the stone fell on it. What do you mean, he squashed? They don't believe me, but Helen saw it, too. She saw what? Then it fell on him. He was mashed flat before it even hit him. Now, look, that's the story, Broderick. Please, please, let me alone. Let me go home. I told you what I saw. Now, let me alone. Let me alone. Did you learn anything, Mr. Broderick? Huh? I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's crazy. Mr. Broderick, if I may make a suggestion at this point, perhaps it would be better if we drop the entire matter. What's eating you? First you come at me with a chain of nonsense that you're staking real cash on. And now when we hit the solid trail, you want to call off the dogs. Well, maybe you operate that way, but Broderick doesn't. May I ask, then, what do you intend doing? As soon as the cops clear out and this place quiets down, I'm going to pay a personal call on the Martian embassy. Whatever number 108 is. <laughs> Drill you like a platoon of rookies. Yes? Oh. Well, young man, 
Excuse me, ma'am. Is the lady of the house at home? I'm the lady of the house. Well, uh, my name is Broderick. Uh, I represent the Manhattan Child Adoption Center. We're soliciting funds and clothing for stranded and unadopted children. I wondered Oh, won't you come inside? Well, we don't usually... Oh, nonsense. I'm old enough to be your grandmother. Besides, my son, Lauren, is working at home. Your son? He's a bibliographer. He writes summaries of articles and books from scientific journals and publications for libraries and universities. I see. Well, sit down, Mr. Broderick. We get so few calls, and I do like to visit. Oh, thank you. (sighs) Now, what was it you wanted to talk to us about? Oh, well, uh... I, uh, I wondered if you or your son, there's nobody else living here. No, just Lauren and I. I'll have to ask him about the contribution, but I'm sure he'd like to. Good. Uh, Thank you very much. I'll send the representative to collect. Oh, please, stay a moment. I was just about to have tea. Let me pour you a cup. Oh, no, thanks, really. No, young man, I insist. Well, thank you. (laughs) I'm getting awfully tired of having tea by myself every afternoon. You know, I'm not very much of a tea drinker, but this seems to have a strange taste. It's my own recipe. The secret is in the brewing. It's sweet. It almost metallic. It takes a few sips to get used to, like olives. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I think I'd better be running along. Oh, but you haven't finished your tea, Mr. Broderick. I'd better be going. I'm late. Oh, you're not being very polite. Do finish your tea. No, really, I feel funny. Oh, I'll call Laurie. No, no, I'm leaving. You'll... Oh, I'm sure Lauren can help you. I'll call him. Oh, no, no, oh, But I must, besides, you aren't well. Gee. Lauren! Gotta get out. Lauren! Lauren, hurry! Got us out of my way. No, you must stay. Yes, Struck my teeth. Let go of my arm. Lauren! Let go! Oh. Gotta get out of here! What heaven? The other one said, Broderick, he was here. I drugged his teeth. He got away. Fool, idiot. Go after him. Use the pressure ray. Risk another murder on our doorstep. Are you insane? But he suspects. We'll have to take our chances. We'll have to think of some other way. How did they find us? I don't know how, but I'm certain someone else sent them. Who? I don't know. I'm afraid to let myself think. It might be... them. Please, I... Get away from me. Uh, stay away from me. Look out. Miss, please. Let go of me. I help. Please. Help, officer. You don't understand. What's the trouble here? This drunkard is insulting people. I saw him come out of that house there. 108? That's the one. He bumped into a gentleman and then he pulled at my arm. All right, miss. I'll take care of it. Come along, mister. I'm going to give you a break and take you back to the wife and kids. No, no, you can't. I'm sick. Sick, is it? What's the matter? Drug. They drugged me. Who drugged you? Number 108. Martians. Who? Martians. Number 108. The Martian Embassy. Well, I've seen them with pink elephants, rabbits, and mice, but you're the first one who's got marked. That's true, I tell you. Uh-huh. Come along. Now, listen, listen. Don't oh. take me back there. Don't Come kill on. me. Look, i got to make you understand. Yeah, here. I'll help Look, you up the steps. Please, my name is Broderick. I'm a private dick. We'll find out about this. Here, don't try it. <laughs> Officer, please listen. I'll give you anything. I'll give you a thousand dollars. Please listen. For God's sake, listen. Listen. Yes, sir. Why, Roger, it... 
you know this lush granny? Why, that's my son, Roderick. <laughs> oh, no, Martin. He's in pretty bad. Better get him to bed. Oh, dear. He was doing so well at the Alcoholic Society. He must have gotten off again. Looks like he's ready to pass out. Lauren! Lauren! What is it, Mother? Oh. Your brother, Broderick, has been drinking again. Look out, he's passed out. I'll take care of him, officer. We've handled this sort of thing before. Can you manage okay? We'll be fine, thank you. You've been very kind, officer. Oh, nothing at all, Granny. I know how it is with these alkies. Well, I'll be seeing you. Mr. Broderick is regaining consciousness, Mother. What happened? I can't get up. Do not struggle, Mr. Broderick. It'll be impossible for you to rise from that chair. The pressure from this ray will keep you there. Ray? What? Who are you? You've already guessed, Mr. Broderick. You mean this really is the... Martian Embassy, yes. You have the honor to be the first prisoner of the Imperial Government of Mars. Prisoner? Yes. After the invasion, of course, you will all be our prisoners. Hey, look. What sort of a business is this? No business, Mr. Broderick, as your people will soon find out. Our preparations for invasion are nearly completed now. As soon as we give the signal, our armed forces will launch a surprise attack. And then the Earth will be ours. You're crazy. Not half as mad as you, Mr. Broderick, to come muddling so foolishly into our affairs. That was a fatal mistake. So, it's death. There's no accident, then. Assuredly not. We found it necessary to use a pressure ray on your friend. The block of concrete was an afterthought. We thought it might help to avert suspicion. All right. What happens now? If you cooperate, you can look forward to a quick, painless death like your friend, Mr. Doolan. If not? This pressure ray has many delicate adjustments. It can move a pin, or it can crush a boulder. Let me demonstrate. see, Mr. Broderick, as if an invisible vice were crushing you. What do you want? The name of your client. We are interested in knowing who is so anxious to locate the Martian embassy. The names of my clients are confidential. Oh, well. Am I right? All right. Turn it off, Mother. Mr. Broderick has seen the wisdom of speech. His name is Graphius. Graphius? Yeah. An unusual name for an Earthman. Describe him. Well, I don't know if I really can. Mother. Describe him. He's tall. He's got a big forehead and about 60. He wears thick glasses. He's bald. Lawrence, it sounds like one of them. Yes, it does. Contact the planet. Tell them we suspect that our plans are known. Ask for an acceleration of invasion day. At once. What about me? I am sorry, Mr. Broderick, but I am afraid you know too much now. In exactly five seconds, you will feel the full impact of the ray which faces you. I would suggest that you relax and meet your fate calmly. Now, wait a minute. You will feel no pain, just a wall of force engulfing you. Oh, listen, I... Five. No, you can't do this. Four. It isn't human. I know, but we are not human. Three. Yeah, but... Two. No. One. Other in heaven. Now. Lawrence. It didn't work. Something's happened. The magnetic field is dead. Get it working. We've got to get rid of this one. Now listen. Listen, you guys. The 
can't understand what's gone wrong with the ray. Why would it suddenly stop like that? Perhaps I can explain. What? What? It's you. Yes. Lauren. Stand back from the pressure ray, please. It will not function anyway. I have decontrolled your field. Lauren, it's one of them. They found us. Did you think we wouldn't? I trust you have not harmed my friend, Mr. Broderick. He's been very useful to me. Brother, am I very glad to see you. Talk about the Marines landing in the nick of time. You're free to move now, Mr. Broderick. I don't know how you got in here, Crafius, but stick around. These babies are really Martians, just like you said. They're planning to invade the Earth and take over. There will be no Martian invasion. You keep these characters covered. I'll get the police. There will be no need for the police. I intend to handle them myself. But the police will... Do not call the police. Why not? You fool of an Earthling. Don't you realize with whom you are dealing? The invasion of Earth by Mars will be like child's play compared... Lauren! Holy mackerel. They just flattened out. Like your friend, Mr. Doolan. I detest the use of violence where the intellect can rule. But unfortunately, the Martians are a threat to us. It must be destroyed. I believe you now. Another five seconds, they'd have finished me. I'm glad you didn't waste any time. There is little time to waste. The Martian invasion was to have taken place next week. Yeah, I... Hey, they never said that. How do you know? You would not comprehend. Wait a minute. There are some things here I do understand. A second ago, that pressure ray didn't work. Now you're using it like it was a toy. How did you get in here anyway? Who are you? Another one of those Martians? No, Mr. Broderick. I happen to be a Venusian. What? A representative of the planet Venus. Venus? That's impossible. Not at all. The Martians are really an inferior race. We Venusians are much farther advanced. As much as we are over you, Mr. Broderick, the Martians would simply have conquered and enslaved your people. We Venusians felt compelled to exterminate you completely. That's impossible. Oh, no. Now that we have disposed of the Martian threat, what is there to stop us? Our invasion begins tomorrow at noon. By nightfall, the Earth will be ours. Brother in heaven. Either I'm completely cuckoo or... Oh. Oh, well, this is really on the level. You needn't edge toward the door, Mr. Broderick. You're thinking of running for help, aren't you now? I can read your thoughts quite clearly. Suppose you're going to knock me off like our Martian friends. On the contrary. Go ahead. Leave? Why not? Why don't you try it, Mr. Broderick? Because the minute I turn my back, you're going to let me have it. Suppose you try it and see. I've no interest in stopping. Go ahead. All right, Buster, you ask for it. It will do you no good. No good, you'll see. Here, here, why do you think you're on the top? Hey, officer, officer, listen to me. Oh, it's you, the one with the mask. Yeah, that's right. Now, listen, that story is true. They're inside that house, inside number 108. He killed them. Who killed them? Raffius. He's the leader of the Venusian invasion. Venusian invasion? That's right. Tomorrow at noon, they're going to take over the Earth. Now, listen, go in that house. Martians, now Venusians, eh? Okay, that's enough for me. Come along. Good, good. We haven't got much time. Hey, wait. Where are you taking me? Bellevue Psychiatric Ward, my friend. Come Bellevue, on. Bellevue, no! No, come on. No, why don't you listen to me? Why are you such a fool? Let go of me. You're as a bedbug. Come on. No! I tell you, there's going to be... 
the invasion. The Venusians are going to invade us. Don't you understand? You gotta believe me. You gotta believe oh, me. Sure, I believe. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> oh, why don't they listen? Why don't they believe me? <laughs> you have just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension Next week, the story of Riesling, the strange blind singer of the spaceways. He traveled the space lines from Mars to Venus to the moons of Jupiter. No captain could refuse to carry Riesling and his battered guitar. He sang of all the wonders of the galaxy. But his greatest song was of the sight he would never see. The green hills of Earth. Tonight, Dimension X has presented The Embassy, a story by Donald A. Walheim, as adapted for radio by George Leppard. Joseph Julian was heard as Broderick, Barry Kroger as Graphius. Your narrator was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman, engineer Don Abbott. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. Stay tuned for Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Lucille Ball to appear as Liz in the series My Favorite Husband. She began her career as a model, but went on to dizzying heights in the world of entertainment. In 1962, Ball became the first woman to run a major television studio, Desilu Productions, which produced many popular television series, including Mission Impossible and Star Trek. She appeared in film and television roles for the rest of her career until her death in April of 1989 from an abdominal aortic aneurysm at the age of 77. Here's the episode titled Spring Cleaning. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Yes, it's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of dessert. And now, Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers, it's a beautiful spring day. And Liz is just going into the kitchen to talk to Katie, the maid. Oh, Katie. Yes, Mrs. Cooper. Katie, I've been talking to Mr. Cooper about a raise for you. Uh-oh. What kind of an uh-oh is that? Oh, whenever you want me to do something I won't like, you dangle a raise in front of me. Oh, I was hoping you'd forget. You've got a memory like an elephant. I guess it comes from working for peanuts. <laughs> Pardon me, Mrs. Cooper, I didn't That's mean... okay, Katie, but I'm serious about the raise. Now, you deserve it, and I don't want anything from you. 
You don't want anything? Well, hardly anything. Let's have it. Well, this is the day we decided to do the spring cleaning, remember? Oh, that's funny. I'd forgotten all about it. Oh, come now, Jumbo. <laughs> I'll make a deal with you. You forget about spring house cleaning, and I'll forget about the rays. Oh, I can't, Katie, but don't worry. It isn't going to be half as hard this year. Why not? I know where I can get you an extra pair of strong arms. Won't it make my shoulders too crowded? <laughs> No, Katie. I mean, George is going to help us. He is? When did he say that? As soon as I tell him about it. <laughs> I thought so. Well, this year I'm going to put my foot down and George is going to help. Last year, who did all the heavy work? I did. <laughs> who waxed all the floors and washed all the windows? I did. Who carried the trunks up to the attic and repainted the lawn furniture? I did. I did everything. Darn right, and I'm getting sick and tired of it. <laughs> An old elephant thanks you. <laughs> when you die, just leave me your tusks. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, I've been married five times, and I know there's only one good way to get a man to help with the spring cleaning. Shame him into it. Shame him into it? Yes. If he comes home and sees you carrying things that are too heavy for you and just working like a horse, he'll offer to help you. Oh, Katie, that's a wonderful idea. George will be home any minute. Help me get the piano up on my back. Come in. Oh, pardon me, sir. Oh, I... George, boy, glad you came in. I wanted to tell you I won't be able to make our golf date this afternoon. Uh, business. Oh, well, I'll find something to do. Uh, why don't you just stay here and dictate to your new secretary, Gladys? Mm -hmm. That's what I came to see you about, sir. I'll have to do something about her. It sounds like you already have. <laughs> From what I hear, Gladys is sweet on you. Well, she certainly has no reason to be. Uh, and do you know what she calls you in front of the other girls? No, and I'm not interested. Yeah, you know, okay, okay, boy. I won't force it on you. What's she call me? <laughs> she calls you <laughs> Cuddles Cooper. <laughs> no. You sly devil, you. <laughs> All right, that's very funny, but but I'm not getting my work done. Can't you transfer Gladys and get me someone else? Oh, now, give her a chance. George, she's young. Why don't you have a talk with her? Well, how can I? She comes into the office and sits there looking at me like a cocker spaniel. What can I say to her? Have you tried, here, Gladys, here, Gladys? <laughs> Look at this note she left on my desk. Oh, let's see. Oh, what a lucky girl am I who wouldn't like to be me, who wouldn't like to have a boss so handsome, blonde, and dreamy. Uh, you see what I mean? It, now that I look at you, George, you are sort of dreamy. <laughs> oh, Mr. Radderbury. Are you going to give me another secretary or not? Well, I'll tell you what, George. Think it over. And if you still feel this way Monday, I'll find someone in the office who'll trade secretaries with you. Maybe Joe Ridgely. No, that'll be fine. Yes, I'm sorry about the golf game this afternoon. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'm sort of tired anyway. 
It'll be nice to loll around the house all afternoon doing nothing. Eh, wish I could. Well, so long, cuddles. Ah. Mrs. Cooper, Mr. Cooper's coming up the wall. Okay, I just have to pick up this bucket here by the door. Oh, here, let me help you. You can't carry that big bucket of ashes by yourself. Oh, yes, I can. It's not heavy. See? But I don't Look, understand. Look, just because I want George to think it's heavy doesn't mean it has to be heavy. I filled it up with paper and just sprinkled an inch of ashes on the top. Oh, that's tricky. Oh, you'd be surprised how heavy it's going to be when George gets here. Hey, honey, I'm home. Oh, now it gets heavy. Uh, I'm in here, George. Oh, hi, Liz. <laughs> Hello, George. How are you? Hi <laughs> there. What's new? Not much. What's new with you? You uh, feel all right, Liz? Your your voice sounds funny. Oh, I'm all right. I'm just carrying these ashes outside. Oh, honey, you shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't? No, you're able to spill ashes on the rug. Well, I should have known. Uh, should have known what? Should have known better than to be subtle. I thought if you saw me struggling with this heavy bucket of ashes, you'd leap up and help me. Well... Other men help their wives with the heavy work, and there's no reason why you shouldn't help with the spring house cleaning. Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt me to do a little work. That's right. Make excuses. Look, Liz, I said I'd be glad to help. The one time in the year when I asked you to do something around the house and... You did? Sure. <laughs> oh, uh... Hey, here, I'll take my coat off and tackle that can of ashes right now. Oh, all right. Oh, no, George, I'll carry this. No, no, nonsense. It's much too heavy for you. Well, you can hardly lift it. Oh, but but I'd rather... Out of the way. I'll show you how a man lifts a heavy thing like this. One, two, three. (laughs) What happened? Who hit me? Oh, where'd the can go? Oh, my, you're strong, George. You tossed it clear across the room. Get up off the floor. What a dirty trick, filling the ash can with paper. Well, if you're going to play that way, you can do your own housework. Hello, Mr. Cooper. Hello. Well, what's wrong with him? Oh, my trick backfired. We just lost two strong arms. Oh, well... I've been cleaning out Mr. Cooper's den, and I don't know what to do with this box. What's in it? Oh, some old letters. They look like love letters to Mr. Cooper. Oh, well, ask him what he wants to do. Love letters to Mr. Cooper? I think so. It's a woman's handwriting in purple ink. Well, I'll ask him what he wants. just a second, Katie. I'll take care of those. Here. You're not going to read them, are you? Of course not. Whatever gave you an idea like that? I don't know. Something about the way you picked that one up and opened the flap. <laughs> well, you're right. It's addressed to George, and I'm not going to read it. Good for you. Here, you read it to me. <laughs> what? Then if George asks me if I read it, I can say no with a clear conscience. Go ahead, Kitty. Let's see what George's correspondence sounded like in his dear old bachelor days. Well, <clears throat> Dear Coopy Whoopy, 
<laughs> Although we have just met, I feel I've known you always. Now, there's an original thought. No matter where I go, I see your face before me. That's why I'm throwing myself at your feet. <laughs> His face isn't that bad. <laughs> then it finishes up with a poem. If you want me to holler whoopee, then say you'll be my cupy coopy. <laughs> Signed, Droopy. No, it's signed anxious. Well, there's a masterpiece of understatement. Are there any more from her, Katie? Oh, yes, there's a whole pile of them, but this is the best one of the bunch. (laughs) Why, Katie, let me see the rest. Okay. It's this pile marked GC from EE. Uh-oh. No, E-E. <laughs> Never mind, Katie. I just remembered who wrote that letter. Who? Shake hands with E-E, formerly anxious. <laughs> you wrote them? That's right. Boy, I, I really must have been anxious. I sent it special delivery. <laughs> well, I'll deliver it to the attic. Wait a minute, Katie. I know how I can get George into a good humor again. How? If I didn't remember that letter, George won't either. I'm going to seal it up and tell him it was just delivered. I'll pretend to be real jealous and think it's from another woman. You're playing with fire, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, don't be silly. You'll get a big kick out of it. It would be different if there was the slightest possibility of another woman, but not with George. Why, he's he's just good old George. (laughs) He's a man, isn't he? Oh, Katie, you just stick around. This is going to be fun. Here he comes now, Mrs. Cooper. Okay. George? George? Yes? Oh, there's a letter on the table. It just came. Mail? On Saturday afternoon? Yes, it's for you. It came special delivery. Why don't you open it and see who it's from? All right. Dear Coopy, whoop, whoop. Oh, no. Who's it from, George? Uh, 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 the gas company. Oh, how come the gas company sends you a special delivery? You got bigger burners? forgot to pay the bill. Oh, and they wrote to you in purple ink. George, are you and the gas company going steady? Look, let's just forget it, Liz. It's a bill. I'll take care of it. George, I'll bet that letter's from a girl. I told you it isn't. Now let me alone. Well, you don't have to get huffy about it. For your information, that letter... Oh, it's from me. Now, don't cry, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, Katie, there is another woman in George's life. You should have seen the guilty look on his face. But you wanted him to think it was from someone else. Sure, I wanted him to think it was from someone else. But he thinks it's from someone else. (laughs) 
And now back to Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband. As we return to the Coopers, Liz is burning up about the supposed other woman in George's life. She gave George an old love letter she wrote, and he mistakenly thought it was from his new secretary who has a silly crush on him. Well, right now, George has shut himself in the den to use the phone. Hello? Hello, Mr. Atterbury. This is George Cooper. Uh, yes, Cuddles? <laughs> I'm not Cuddles. I'm Coopy Whoopy now. Well... What can Uncle Woodolf do for you? <laughs> Uncle Woodolf can look for a new vice president if he doesn't get me a new secretary. Gladys just sent me a mushy letter, special delivery. Did she use bank stamps? <laughs> How should I know? The point is, I'm liable to get into trouble unless I get a new secretary. I don't want to go through the whole mess of trying to explain to Liz that this is innocent. She's suspicious already. Gee, I'd give my eye teeth to know who he's talking to on the phone in there. Do you suppose it's her? Her who? You know her who? Her. <laughs> Why did he close the door? Well, there's always the keyhole. Oh, Katie, do you think I'd stoop to listening at the keyhole? Yes. You're right. <laughs> But the darn key's in it, and you can't hear a thing. I can't just open the door and listen. That would be eavesdropping. We have to have a reason. Come on, give me a reason. It's pretty hot in there. Do you think he needs air? No, it's got to be better than... I know. Of course, the dog's in there and wants out. Quiet now. Here, boy. Here, boy. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper. What? I just thought of something. What? You don't have a dog. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, I already have the door open. No use closing it now, is there? Frankly, Mr. Atterbury, the situation is getting out of hand. Oh, he's telling Mr. Atterbury all about it. You see, I'm pretty sure Liz already suspects something's going on, so there's just one thing to do. I'm going to get rid of her. He's going to get rid of me. Oh, no. I'd like to make it as painless as possible. <laughs> First thing Monday morning, I'll ask her to leave. Well, at least there won't be any bloodshed. Now, well, I'll tell her you arranged for a transfer. Transfer? <laughs> What does he expect me to do? Go to Reno on a streetcar? Yeah, that's right. Joe Ridgely can have her and I'll take his. He's going to trade me in on a later model. There must be some explanation. Shh. All right, Mr. Atterbury. I'll call Gladys right now and tell her I'm going to make the change. Gladys? Yes, I have her number upstairs in my wallet. Yeah, well, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Get out of the way, Katie. Here he comes. Get out of the way. I can't. My apron's caught on the doorknob. Oh. Here, take what's left of it and start dusting. I'll be reading a book. Oh. Oh, hi, George. I didn't know you were in there. You didn't? Huh. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just reading a book. 
Oh, to uh, improve your vocabulary? Yes, I'm improving my vocabulary. <laughs> well, you certainly picked the right book for it. Uh, yes, this man writes well. Uh, you ought to read this book sometime. It's called, um, The Dictionary. <laughs> oh, Webster's one of my favorite writers. Uh, well, you see, I have yeah, Well, been... tell me later. There's something important I have to take care of right now. Come on, Katie. He'll be back in, when he gets that phone number. Come on, where? We're going to hide in the den and listen while George talks to that, that Gladys. We're going to hide? Yes, you're going to be my witness. Witness for what? Well, I don't know, but it's always a good idea. Come on. <laughs> now, now, we'll hide in the... Oh, gee, there isn't any place. Oh, I hear him coming. Quick, into the closet. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, gee, it's dark in here. Are you comfortable, Katie? As comfortable as anyone can be who's straddling a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh, dear. Can you hold out for a minute? It's all right, Mrs. Cooper. I used to have a boyfriend who owned a motorcycle. <laughs> Gee, I wish he'd hurry up. It's so dusty in here. <gasps> He's calling Gladys. Hello, Gladys? This is Cuddles. I may be sick. <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you at home, Gladys, but I can't go on like this. The beast. I've decided to do something about it, Gladys. That's exactly what I've decided. Here it comes. Well, in, in a way, I'll be sorry to lose you. She didn't last as long as I did. <laughs> well, I'll admit you did have the makings of a good secretary, but you don't seem to realize that I'm very much in love with my wife. He admits it. He admits he's in love with his wife. Hey, that's me. <laughs> I don't care what they told you in business school. I love my wife. <laughs> devoted and trust each other implicitly. Aww. She's charming and, and beautiful, and I'd be crazy to even look at another woman. Aww. <laughs> Gee, did you hear that, Katie? He says, uh, uh, oh. <laughs> oh, bless you, Gladys. <laughs> Because you sneeze. Oh? Oh, well, the operator must be listening in. <laughs> well, I think if you really understand the situation, I could give you another chance. Are you sure you do? Gee, he said I was charming and beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Katie, I was so wrong about everything. He mustn't ever find out I've been spying and suspicious. You promise? Can I have next Sunday off? Yes, yes. How about that raise? Oh, you blackmailer. Where's your sporting blood? <laughs> I promise my lips are sealed. Well, that's a much healthier attitude. As a matter of fact, Gladys, uh, I think it would help if you had a talk with Liz. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like her to meet you, too, if you're going to be my secretary. Oh, some other time, some other time. Now, wait. I'll call her to the phone. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> Liz? Hey, Liz, where are you? 
Don't even breathe, Katie. Where? I'm going to try something. Did you call me, George? Yes, where are you? I'm up in the attic. Hey, you don't sound like you're up there. <laughs> well, go up and, I mean, come up and see. Come on down. I want you to... Oh, I'll come up. For a minute, I thought I was... Uh, 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 uh. Liz? Katie? That, that sneeze came from the closet. Oh, quick, Katie. Plug the vacuum cleaner into the light switch. What for? Don't ask questions. Go ahead. Liz, what, what are you and Katie doing in the closet? Now, that's it, Katie. Get into every corner. We don't want any dirt in this house. Will you please explain? Spring cleaning, George. Can't have dirty closets, you know. Don't forget the shelf, Katie. I'll get the floor. We'll mop up the side. Yes, Lucy? What's the score tonight? Tonight, Robert, you rescue a poor girl who has been shipwrecked on a desert island for seven years. I am that poor girl. I haven't seen a human being in seven years. I've come to rescue you. Look at me. I haven't seen a human being in seven years. What do I look like? That's a very good question. You're a mirage. I am not. Yes, you are. I'm a real, honest-to-goodness, red-blooded human man. Ooh. Oh, I'm so happy to be rescued. It's so nice to have a man around the island. Well, let me tell you everything that's happened back home while you've been here. All right. But there's only one thing that's important. What is it? Do they still have... Yes. They do. Well, I'm so glad. <laughs> Tell me, is it still delicious, light, and tempting? Yes, and uh, and they still call it Jello Vanilla Tapioca Pudding. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> How about Jello Chocolate Tapioca? <laughs> well, it's so rich, the kids say it's candy good. Oh, bless their little hearts. And Jello 
orange coconut tapioca is a wonderful blend of refreshing orange and tropical coconut. Yeah, and I'll bet they're still easy, too. And only take about five minutes to prepare. <laughs> right, and I brought some with me. That should make you happy. Oh, it does. It does. <laughs> Then why are you crying? It's so nice to have a pudding around the eye. Oh, great. <laughs> Friends, the retailers of America have just celebrated a half century of progress, a half century of public service. And they've also just completed a week of outstanding cooperation with American businessmen to celebrate this significant milestone. Every one of us can be proud of the great material strides taken in the last several decades to double our output for every hour we work and increase our annual income. We've enjoyed a steadily rising standard of living as a nation, and we have preserved all of our precious, hard-won freedoms. Yes, our American economic system has brought greater material means for happiness to more people than any other system the world has ever known. So... Congratulations to the retailers of America for helping to boost the good things in our American way of life. Let's remember that the better we all produce, the better we all live. You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week, presented by... J-E-L-L Listen again next Sunday at the same time to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we'll hear the first of many episodes of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart. That will be followed by The Red Skelton Show. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.